Um, we're going to go ahead and get ready to take the offering, but we just have a couple quick announcements. Uh, Andre Van Zyl. Van Zyl, Van Zyl. Brother Andre is coming February 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. So Sunday morning and evening, Monday evening, Tuesday evening. You don't want to miss these. And I was telling the ladies on Tuesday morning, um, his anointing just reminds me so much of sitting in Brother Hagen's meetings and just the heavy anointing that just rests in the room and the healings and the the words of knowledge and the different things that would come forth. It's just life-changing. It's spirit-building, life-changing anointing. And if you know anybody who's sick or needs a miracle, needs an influx of the power of God, needs to come into contact with that anointing and glory of God, bring them to Brother Andre's meetings. They're going to be phenomenal. So those are coming up. And then on February 27th, we're having... 27th? 28th. It's a Sunday night. We're having an Operation Impact meeting. Uh, it's about outreach. Operation Impact is our outreach. And we all know our new hashtag is the church has left the building. It's our mantra this year. The church was never meant to be contained inside the walls. We're supposed to come get built up and take it back out there. And so we want to talk to you a little bit about our vision, but we want to hear from you. If you have ideas for outreach, if you have ideas of projects or things that we can do to reach our community or to bless our community in the name of the Lord, we want to hear what you have. We, there's only a couple of us, and there's a ton of you. And we know you hear from God, and you have desires and passions to win the loss too. And you might have just like the best way to do it that we haven't even thought of yet. So Bring your ideas to that meeting. I think it's from 6 to 7.30 on February 28th. So um, I think that's all the announcements. Let's pray for the offering. Father, we thank you for these faithful ones who've come out in the snow. And as they sow their seed and give their tithes, Father, we just pray blessings back on them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over in abundance. You meet every need. Father, we just ask you to multiply this offering and cause it to meet every need of the ministry and then some. Let it just impact your kingdom, Father. That's the whole purpose of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to sit tonight, even though Pastor Michael's not here. He is in Israel. I think everybody knows that. He, they landed, well, they took off Monday night about 1130 our time and landed uh, Tuesday morning about 1045 our time. And then he went to bed about 630 our time that night. So he was pretty tired. <laughs> but he sent me pictures from Joppa, which is where Peter had the vision of uh, the clean and the unclean, and it's where Jonah, you know, started running away from God, and it just, the history of it, and that he gets to be there where, you know, all the stories that I love happened is just breaking my heart, but happy for him at the same time. And then today, they were at the Sea of Galilee, uh, where Peter became fishers of men. That's what he posted on his picture. And they went to Caesarea also. So they're getting to see all those cool things. He sent me a picture from the top of Mount Carmel where fire fell from heaven on, the offer, or on that burnt offering that Elijah had doused with water and the fire of God came down and burned it up. Oh, these things really happened in these places, and he gets to see them, so it's fabulous, and he's going to come back. He already is just FaceTiming with him, and 
and hearing some of the stories and hearing his heart. He's already a changed man. He's going to come back on fire for God, so it's going to be awesome. But until he comes back, I'm holding down the fort, and I just realized I don't have my glasses, so I won't be able to see my Bible. So that's not ever a good thing. We like to be able to read the Word, not just look at the pages. (laughs) It's only beneficial if you actually eat it. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for tonight, and I ask you to just use my mouth for your glory. I pray that you would just continue to give me unction and clarity on what to speak. Let us fall more in love with Jesus tonight, and let us come to know you more intimately. In Jesus' name, amen. So I really just want to talk for a little bit, and we may go back into prayer because it is early. Worship got done early, although it was phenomenal. So I just want to talk for a little bit about Abraham in the book of Genesis. So we're going to read and comment. It's not really a sermon. It's just more some things that I had on my heart. So um, Genesis 12 is where God called Abraham. So the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those that bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham or Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up camp beside the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. So this is kind of the very beginning of the faith. This is the beginning of the story of covenant with uh, God. And Abram, at this point, he hadn't changed his name yet, and he comes to him and he says, I am going to give you this land. You come out, you leave everything you know, leave everything you hold dear, come away with me and I will show you where to go. So he didn't give Abram any details. (laughs) All he said was, wherever I tell you to go, I'm going to give you that land. And that was enough for Abram to just say, okay. At 75 years old, he picked up and moved on and started over. So we're going to skip over to chapter 15. Chapter 13 is just, I mean, just some different odds and ends things. Abram and Lot separate. Lot gets into trouble and Abram has to go rescue him. And then we come over to chapter 15. And it says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And I love that. I, I looked up those words, shield and exceeding great reward. And shield just means protector. So I thought it was interesting the way that Mark started off worship with talking about what's going on in this world. But that doesn't matter because he is our protection. And he's our protector. So that's when he's telling Abram here, don't be afraid. I'm your protector. 
I'm your exceeding great reward. And I liked that he went into that much detail about it. He didn't just say, I'm your reward. He didn't just say, I'm your great reward. He said, I'm your exceeding great reward. And that just means over and above great. You know, exceeding means any, it's beyond what is expected. But the, re, the word reward I found very interesting because it was, what it means is wages. I am your exceeding great wages. I'm your supply. And so when he's introducing himself again to Abram, he said, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your protection. I'm your exceeding above, beyond anything you can imagine, wages. I'm your supply. And I heard one minister put it this way when he had studied the Greek. I'm your ever-increasing supply. So that just means that everything Abram would ever need was going to be found in God. And then I found Abram's words very interesting. It says, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Yeah, 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 you're my protector. Okay, you're going to give me everything I can ever dream of. But what good is that if what you actually promised me, a descendant, is not going to come to pass? I don't have a son. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside. So the Lord took Abram outside. The Lord took him, took him physically, took him outside, put his arm around him and said, hey, buddy, look up at those stars. Look at him. Just take a look. You're worried about a descendant, one baby. That's what you want? He goes, could you just look at the stars? <laughs> just take a look up there. Because that's how many descendants you're going to have. My plan for you is so much bigger, but I like the intimacy of it. He didn't just speak words to Abram at that point. He took him outside like a friend would when you're panicking and going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. Hey, 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 hey. Calm down. Come with me. Let's just take a walk, take a deep breath, and put things in perspective. It hasn't happened yet, but this is going to be the final result. The intimacy of that moment, I just love. The Lord took him outside. And sometimes when the stars are out and the sky's clear, I like to sit out there and just imagine that. Abram didn't have the kind of relationship with God that we do. We can count on two hands how many times he had interactions with God. God didn't live in him. He didn't have the ability to hear God's direction and his voice and have his presence and have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living in him 24-7. He didn't have that. But this was very cool, the intimacy of this moment where God took him outside and reassured him. And we have access to this all day long. And I love that song, Holy Spirit, You Are Welcome Here, that line that says, let us become more aware 
of your presence because his presence never leaves, never leaves us. He said, he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I will, I will not, I will not, I will not. He said over and over and over. He means it. It's that we're not aware of his presence within. So any, anyway, I love that the Lord took him outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. And then they go back and forth, and he says, how will I know that you're going to give it to me to possess? And he said, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And our Western 2016 minds go, what? (laughs) But Abram was doing cartwheels. Because what that meant was that the Lord that had called him from Ur of the Chaldeans was about to cut a covenant with him. And a covenant was the most binding contract that you could have. That meant whatever he just promised him, he was bound to it by death. That if he didn't fulfill it, he would have to die. Covenant was very binding. And that's how... how serious and God didn't cut a covenant with Abram for his sake for God's sake God knew he was going to keep that word it was to reassure Abram that what I promised you is going to come to pass that's how much God loved him that was the mercy of God cutting this covenant showing him externally something that he could hold on to to reassure himself that God was going to fulfill his word. And any time he doubted after this point, he could look back on that night and say, no, I'm in covenant with him. He has to do it. And that covenant was enough to alleviate any doubt. And in verse 17, after the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants, and this is the covenant. All the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River, the land now occupied by the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, all those ites. I'm not going to read them all. But that was, <laughs> that was the covenant. I'm giving you this land, and this is what those boundaries are going to look like. We're going to seal it in blood. You can rest assured it's going to come to pass about the land. He'd promised him a descendant, and he promised him the land. And then in chapter 16, you go on to read about the lovely little, you know, deal of Ishmael. Anybody ever have an Ishmael? Anyone ever, God ever promised you something and it was going too slow and so you decided to take matters into your own hand and do it yourself? How'd that work out for you? (laughs) Well, Abraham did the same thing. Abram and Sarah, and it was Sarah's idea. You know, Eve got Adam to eat the apple, fruit, not even chocolate, to eat the fruit and fall. Sarah gets Abram to sleep with his servant and get her pregnant, which is not God's plan. Like, no wonder men don't listen to their wives. Like, there's no history of good stuff in the Bible about it. We got to change that perception, ladies. 
And so when, he was a Roman citizen. So when he was among the Hebrews, he used the name Saul, which was his Hebrew name. And when he was among the Gentiles, he used the name Paul, which was his Gentile name. Isn't that cool? So it doesn't say in there that he changed Paul's name, but he did change Peter's name because he wanted them to see themselves different. He wanted them to see themselves different. He wanted everybody around them to see them differently. And back then, your name was who you were. It described you. And uh, every time he wanted Abraham's words to continuously be lined up with his words. So every time he said his name, he said, I am the father of a multitude of nations. So I wonder how many times he said that and thought, no, I'm not. <laughs> but he kept his words lined up with the word of God. And I love it. I love that God changed his name and he changed our name. He changed our name to blessed, Right? He changed our name to healed. He changed our identity. When we cut the covenant with him, when, he accept, when we accepted the covenant that he cut through Jesus, he changed our identity. We took on his name, gave up our name, took on his name. Now I am his beloved and he is mine. And not the same person that I was. I am no longer unrighteous. I am righteous. All those descriptions. I was sitting here one day. It was months ago in worship. I have, over the years, struggled with insecurities. Anybody else? Make me feel good about myself. And uh, it's like this. I'm scared. I'm not scared. I'm scared. I'm not scared. <laughs> so sometimes it takes a while to break that habit, even though you know the truth, to break the habit in your mind. And so I was in one of the down sessions last year sometime of just the thoughts in my head, you know, combating those thoughts in my head. And uh, I was in worship one day and he goes, you're listening to the wrong adjectives. You're using, you're using the wrong adjectives. And he said, those are not the adjectives I have called you. These are the adjectives you need to change to. And it takes time to change your mind. And that's why he changes our identity. And that's why he changes the adjectives that he uses about us. And that's why he changed Abraham's name, because he wanted him to see himself differently. And he had to start calling himself that. And any time he bumped into somebody that knew him, that called him Abram, he had to say, no, I changed, God changed my name. My name's not Abram anymore. It's Abraham. And that's what you have to call me from now on. So he became identified with that, with everybody around him. It became ingrained in him that that's who he was. Love that God changed his name. And I love the phrase, I will always be your God. This is the first time he said that to him. All those 25, 24 years, because he was 99 here, all those 24 years he said, I'm the Lord that called you out, and he revealed himself as different things, but this is the first time he says to him, I will be your God. I'll be your miracle maker. I'll be your protector. I'll be everything that you will ever need. I'll be your covering. I will be your God. I will always be your God. That's just so phenomenal to me. And I think sometimes we take these things so for granted because we've known them for so long. Yeah, he's my God. Okay, but let's take a second and think about what that means. It means that he has committed himself to always take care of me. Always. 
God's not just someone up there that worship goes this way and adoration goes this way and work goes this way and everything comes from us to him. It first came from him to us. It's not just this works robot thing or employer-employee thing. It's a father-child thing. It's a relationship thing. I will always be your God. And that just was phenomenal to my mind today. I just, and I wrote this in my Bible a while ago, and then I, I put, found it in my journal and put it on my blog today. This is the best part of the promise. I will always be your God. The relationship side of it is always going to be the best part of the promise. When the Bible said that Abram believed God, it didn't say that Abram just believed what God said. It didn't just say Abram believed the word that was spoken. It means that Abraham trusted the character of the person who spoke the word because he knew him. That's why it's the best part of the promise. Like in, in chapter 15 when he said, I'm your shield. I'm your exceeding great reward. Before he ever said anything else about the promise. Because he always wants to be first. Let's read a little bit farther and then we'll comment again. Said so Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. And, it was, and then he goes on to talk about the circumcision. But he said, your responsibility to the covenant. He talked about himself way more. 24 years of prep time of him, of who I am, of what I'll do for you, of who I am, of walking with him, of I will always be your God, of I am your shield, of I'm your exceeding great reward. 24 years of that before he ever came to Abraham and said, okay, now this is your part. This is your responsibility of the covenant. And the covenant always has responsibility on both sides. It's always top-heavy because usually you come into covenant with someone when you need something from them. And the other person would come into covenant with you to provide it for you, but mostly, not God, but mostly because they wanted to be in control of you. So it was never an even relationship. Although covenant really means that everything that I am and everything that I have is yours. And vice versa, everything that you have and everything that you are is mine. And we like to look at that from God's per, or from our perspective. Gosh, everything that he has and everything that he is is mine. How amazing is that? He has power. He has grace. He has peace. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. All provision is his. He took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people twice. He's limitless, limitless in his power, limitless in his ability, limitless in his provision. Everything that we ever could or would need, desire, dream of, he far exceeds the ability for all of it. And everything that he has and everything that he is belongs to me because I'm in covenant with him, because he said, I will always be your God. But then we have to turn that coin over, because then everything that I am, and everything that I have, is his too. And I think a lot of times we like to hold on to bits and pieces. Say, no, this is mine. This is my time. 
<laughs> this is my schedule. This is my life. And I'll give you the part of it that I want to give you. And we call it boundaries and we call it a day. Which, trust me, I am queen teacher on boundaries. I love them. I respect them. I draw them. We need them. Jesus drew them. There's whole teaching there with people. Right? But not this way. You know, Jesus was, he had just found out that John the Baptist died, his cousin. He had just found out that his cousin was beheaded in prison. And he, told, he went to his disciples and they drew away. They got in the boat, they were going to go away and rest. He wanted to go grieve his cousin. And his disciples had actually gotten back from a ministry trip. And the Bible says they were so busy that they didn't have time to eat. And so there's both these dual things going on. And he's like, no, we need to get away. We need to rest. We need to, to, to grieve. And we need to rest. We're human. So they went, got in a boat, went to the other side. And when they got there, they were met by multitudes of people. Multitudes of people. But Jesus, because he always did what the Father did, what he saw him do, and he always said what he heard the Father say, stopped his, his retreat he didn't just say, no, we're on a staff retreat. We can't touch you right now because we have a plan. No, he had compassion on them from the Father and ministered to them. And then the disciples who still hadn't had time to eat said, Lord, we need to send them away. I bet they're hungry, which I'm sure it was the disciples going, we're hungry, but let's blame it on the people. So it sounds like we're really caring about them. So Jesus turned around to the, his exhausted disciples who had come back from a ministry excursion and didn't have time to eat and said, you feed them. They're like, we're tired, Lord. <laughs> what, what do you expect us to do? And that's when he multiplied the bread and the fish, fed them, and the people left, and he made his disciples go and rest, and he went and rested because he was in covenant with God. And whatever God, everything that Jesus was, and everything that Jesus had belonged to God. And if God said, do it, he was fully submitted to the will of God. But then there were other times when they were ministering, and he closed the door. Or he walked away. He walked away from crowds. You read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see where he closed the door on crowds. He knew how to draw boundaries with people, but he never drew boundaries with God. Everything that we are and everything that we have is his. And what I mean by everything is, and it's easy to remember it this way, it's our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue. Those are what belong to him. And you'll not find anything outside of those realms. <laughs> everything fits in one of those. Our time, our talent, our treasure, and our tongue all belong to him. And sometimes we compartmentalize and we separate, right? Right? I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible for a half an hour and then I'm going to pray for half an hour and then I'm going to go about my day. Anyone ever said that? <clears throat> but the part of our words, because when I say our tongue, I'm talking about our words, right? We're not just talking about prayer because our words don't only count in prayer. And I think a lot of people think their words only count in prayer and then outside of prayer, it doesn't really count. 
But let me read you a verse out of uh, Malachi. You're just going to love it. It's just going to really bless you. And you're going to shout amen. You're going to want to needle point it on a pillow. And you're going to want to put it on the wall. Going to have Mitchell paint a painting about it and <laughs> put it on the wall. Where's Malachi? It's at the end, right? <clears throat> Let me see if I can find it real quick. Hold on. It's Malachi 3.16. Just looking for the translation that I want. You guys doing all right? Is this okay? Okay. It said, Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. It doesn't say then those who feared the Lord went into the prayer room and he heard their prayers. Only. No, it says then those who feared the Lord just talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. Okay, let's just think about all of our conversations in the last week. And if you need to repent, just take a minute. And maybe think about that verse the next time you sit down with all your girlfriends or boyfriends, guy friends, guy friends, squad. That's what my kids call it, your squad. When you sit down with your squad, <laughs> like your squad, I have a squad, I have a squad. So when I sit down with my squad, but how cool is this? I had lunch with a pastor's wife, friend of mine. She's a pastor, her husband is a pastor in a different church in town, and um we were talking one day about a situation that was going on with one of her kids. She goes, we really need to pray. We were sitting at a restaurant, though, so we couldn't just, you know, pray right then. She goes, this and this and this and this. And uh, so we kind of talked about the situation, encouraged each other with the word. And um, she goes, can you pray? Can you pray today? I said, yeah, I, I have this, and then I have this, and I have this. And then when I, tonight I'll sit down, and, and I'll pray. And... Um, she texted me before I even had time to sit down and pray and say, God answered everything that we talked about today. And it wasn't even an official prayer. We didn't say in Jesus' name. <laughs> we didn't pray in tongues at all because they don't. <laughs> They're in a different denomination than they just don't. We didn't say our Heavenly Father. None of that. We just spoke with one another. So our tongue belongs to Him all the time. And um, our time belongs to him all the time. But here's the wonderful thing to know about God. Are you ready? He's not um, a, a slave driver. And he's not a wicked, evil taskmaster who's just looking to see how much work he can get out of you before you burn out. He is the most balanced person being ever. And Jesus lived the most balanced life ever fully committed to God. And so sometimes we hold back portions of our time or our talent or our treasure because we're afraid of God or of getting used. And there were a lot of us that were abused and overused. And so those can be triggers to yield all and submit all to him. And in submitting all to him, sometimes we're submitting it to a person to whoever we put ourselves under. We're submitted to the Thomases and different people that we've brought ourselves into accountability to. And it can be um, unnerving sometimes 
when you've been hurt, when you've been abused, when you've been overused, to say, I'm going to yield all. But the nice thing about God <laughs> and the wonderful thing about him is that he's not a slave driver, that he is more concerned about your well-being than you are. And if you really listen close, you'll hear him saying, yeah, don't, you're overcommitted. Let's back off on this. It's okay to say no to this. It's okay to say no to this. It's okay to say yes to this. I know you're tired, but I really need you to do this one, and I'll give you the strength for that. But you know how you know that? By walking close to the one. And so I love how Abram and how Abraham didn't just believe the word. I love how Abraham believed the character of the one. He had walked with him 24 years, and he talks later to his servant and describes God as the God in, whom, in whose presence I've lived. So the only way you're really going to know all those things that he's telling you to say yes to and telling you to say no to is if you walk close enough to him to hear. And if you're not hearing, you might want to check up on what else is going on in your life if there's distractions you need to cut out. And it's not, you know, saying you have to earn hearing his voice or you have to earn those things. You can't earn it. You can't earn salvation. Salvation's totally free. We said this Tuesday morning to the ladies. Salvation is free, but the, his presence has a price. Salvation is free, but the glory has a price. That glorious presence of the Lord, living in that presence of the Lord. What did he tell Abraham? Walk blamelessly before me. Dying a thousand deaths to the flesh every day. But it's worth the price. It is so worth the price. He is so worth the price. And I really wanted to teach on prayer tonight and then spend some time praying at the end, but I really felt like we were supposed to go back to just I will be, I will always be your God. And then if you skip over to chapter, um, oh, let's read real quick, 17, 15. It said, then God said to Abraham, and notice God's talking to Abraham. He's giving these promises to Abraham. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and give you a son from her. I love how specific God gets now. Before, he just said, I'm going to give you descendants. So they're like, eh, maybe it's through a handmaiden. Let's try our own way. God's taken forever. He hasn't talked to us in a while. Let's just try to figure it out. Maybe we missed it somewhere. But he's very specific here. I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. So then they go on. Sarah laughed at him and all that. And then in chapter 21, I love how it starts in the New Living Translation. It says, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. The Lord kept his word, 
and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him. Abraham's part of the covenant. This is your covenant responsibility. So God fulfilled his part. Abraham's fulfilling his part. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And then if you flip over to chapter 22, it says sometime later, God tested Abraham. And this is where he tells him to take, and I love how he says it, um, Verse 2. Oh, in verse 1, he says, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Because they've had relationship all these years, and it's always only been good. God's only done good. He blessed him. He kept his word to him. Hey, here I am. What else are you going to give me? Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Because I wonder if he would have taken Ishmael. <laughs> Take your son up here and sacrifice him. I wonder if he would have taken Ishmael. So God gets really specific with him. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much. The promise. The one through whom the promise is coming. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So they... It says the next morning, Abraham got up early and saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac, chopped up wood for the fire. And he said um, to his servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come back. And Isaac even said, you know, hey, I, we got the wood. <laughs> we got the fire. Where's the offering? And Abraham said, because he knew the one who was always going to be his God, only to be good and keep his promises and fulfill his word, because he was in relationship and covenant and living in the presence of God, he said, God will provide himself a ram. Faith. This wasn't a test of Abraham's faith. God wasn't saying, I want to see if he has faith. The book of Genesis is about covenant. And this was a test of his commitment to the covenant that God had made with him. That he passed by faith. He passed it because he knew his God. He passed it because he trusted his God. He passed it because he believed God. He passed it through faith. But it was a test of the covenant. God will provide himself a ram. And in verse 9, he gets all the way up there, ties his son Isaac, puts him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, yes, here I am. <laughs> Please help me. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Everything I am and everything I have, even the promise, even the blessing, even everything that he's given me, even everything that he's trusted me with, even if he just gave it to me yesterday, 
Everything that I am and everything that I have is yours. And if you read this account in the New Testament, I think it's in Romans. I think it's in Romans 4 or 5. Let's look at that real quick and then we'll close. It said, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. He was willing to sacrifice his son because he knew that even if he did on the word of the Lord, that God was able to raise him back to life. And that in essence, he received Isaac back from the dead. That's how strong his trust in the one who spoke the promise was. And it all goes back to relationship. And it all goes back to that covenant relationship that he had with God. I will always be your God. And so no matter what we face, and no matter what we look at, and no matter how long it takes his promises to come to pass, I still have things that he spoke to me when I was at Bible school that I still have yet to walk in. But I know that I will. And you know, I went through a whole season around the time I turned 40 of woe is me, I'm too old now. If I was going to do something, I would have already started. You know, it's too late now. Guess it's not going to ever happen. Anybody ever have those thoughts? If he was going to do it, he would have surely done it by now. You know, Moses, or Noah was 601 years old when he got off the ark and started over. 601, which I think in today's years would have been like 60-something if you divide and do the whole averages. 60-something to start over. And uh, I was in a hotel room somewhere. I don't even remember why we were at a hotel. Woe is me God. Have you ever had those kind of prayer times? Woe is me. I guess I'll never. I guess I'll never. I love you anyway, Lord. <laughs> and I will just always love you and serve you. And I guess I just will never live fulfilled. But I will still love you in this unfulfilled relationship. <laughs> And uh, he goes, you haven't even started to live yet. You are only 40. If you could see your next 40 years and how full and rich they are, you would stop this right now. So I wrote that in my journal, and I stopped it right then. I'm like, I am done. If they're going to be that glorious and fruitful, then bring it on. I don't care how old I am when I start. So if he spoke it, it will come to pass. Why? I will always be your God. And we can cling on to that promise. It doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter how long it takes. I will always be your God. It's because we know the one who promised. We don't need healing. We need to walk with the healer. We don't need provided for. We need to walk with the provider. It all is wrapped around him. And we never want to want the ing more than the er. 
If you start wanting the ing more than you want the er, you need to just back up a second and worship for a minute and put it all back in perspective. Because that's just human. That's just natural. That's just normal. That's just flesh. And everybody has one. And everybody has to put it under. And you just go back to say, no, Father, that's a lie. I don't want the ing more than I want the er. You are always first. And everything I have and everything I am is yours anyway. But the good news is that everything that you are is mine and it'll be there when I need it. Amen. Isn't God good? I wish we could go on. I love Abraham. But we'll stop because it's time. So, Father, we just thank you for the words that we were sharing tonight. And, I, Father, I just pray that you would continue to give us the revelation on it as we go through this week. Help us to just have the revelation of what it means. I will always be your God. You're mine, Father. And not only that, but you're my God. You're my miracle worker. You're my protector. You're my provider. You're my healer. Everything that I could ever want, need, or desire, I find in you. So let our hearts crave you this week and let our minds and eyes and hearts be open to a deeper level of intimacy with your Holy Spirit this week, with your presence this week. Let us live this week more aware of your presence than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you're dismissed and we will see you all. On Sunday, don't forget about Parents' Night Out. If you're a parent and you need a babysitter, we've got free babysitting from 6 to 8.30. Saturday. <laughs>